I told them, listen, I'm not ready to make a decision about anything. I want to get back into my workouts and see how it feels. Uh, you know, to really hit it hard for, see if the drive and the passion is still there. And then I'll, you know, see where we're at. And, and so, again, this is why this is not a decision here. The decision, I think, was made in my mind whether or not I was able to admit at that point. Uh, really, on that Tuesday, I wanted to play. Um, and then it was... How is my body uh, feeling? Is it going to be able to hold up? So, at this point, as I sit here, you know, I think since Friday, uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Clear for takeoff. Welcome once again to the latest episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera. And along with me, as always, is my astute, educational, incredibly handsome co-host. He is the Jets' lead Midwest scout, none other than Matt Slard, a.k.a. King Sliz. Sliz, say hello, my friend. What's good, man? What a uh, what a, what a past couple, I guess two weeks, really, past week. Um, I don't know, lots of, lots, of, lots of things that both happened and, and haven't yet happened all in the same breath. What what could, whatever could you be talking about? So you know it's it's been a roller coaster, right? Of of emotion, it really has been. And I mean, the Jets got it in a microdose last year with the Tyreek Hill trade and that hour, and like, oh my God, he's a Jet. He's not a Jet. Is he going to the Jets? You know this whole thing. And then you take this entire Aaron Rodgers situation, and we were talking about it on the last podcast we did. And then you take this entire Aaron Rodgers situation, and you just. Stick it with an anabolic steroid, and it's just been nonstop, you know. So, so let's start there, Sliz, because this is going to be a pretty Roger centric podcast, right? I, I think at least most of it. So, you know, obviously, there were the rumors that Rogers wanted to be a Jet. The Jets meet with Aaron Rodgers the last time we did this podcast. Some questions over whether or not he actually wants to come. There's some doubts whether or not he was actually going to retire if retirement was still on the brain, but. Last week on the Pat McAfee show, we finally get some clarification. If you listen to the start of this podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can parse through all of the other stuff about what Aaron Rodgers said. You can you can dis- debate the if if uh, he's twisting the Packers' words. You can debate you know the timeline of his re- recollection of events. The only thing that Aaron Rodgers said, if you're a Jets fan, that matters is this. It is my intention to play for the New York Jets. Period. Full stop. What what a surreal moment, man, too. Like, I know, yeah. like, regardless of what you think about us moving for Aaron Rodgers or not or whatever, I, I was blown away that he actually, like, said it that explicitly, that punctually, just like, boom. Yep. I mean, listen, and people don't want to hear this because there's debates all the time, but I think before we get started with more of the Rodgers talk, a little bit of credit to Joe Douglas. For building up this team, because I understand that Rogers' market isn't as wide as people maybe expected it would be, but for a future Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the most badass players in the history of the NFL, a four-time league MVP to say, I want to play for the New York Jets, they they deserve some credit, man. Joe Douglas, Robert Sal, they deserve credit for whatever they're building here because Rodgers very could have easily said, I mean, I'll keep my options open. I'll see what's going on with Tennessee. I'll see what's happening with the other. No, that's not the case. And it's a, it's a match for money. It's a match for personnel. I think 
a little bit of credit has to go to what the Jets have built here. They're still not there. They, there's still plenty of plenty of holes they need to fix, but credit to this organization for seemingly maybe getting it right. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think so, and there, there there's a lot to unpack, right? And and I think there is a lot that Aaron said in that whole opening monologue he had on the McAfee show, the just the whole state of the the Packers front office, and certainly I th- it feels like we're getting pissed off Aaron Rodgers, right? right. That he, he's coming back and he's playing because of spite more than anything right. else, which right. um, which is. It's good that there's a true driver there. I guess you didn't want him just kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm done yet. But then you get halfway through the season and he's kind of calling it quits. Like, right. it, it feels, I feel better about him potentially um, sticking out two years as well. And and that's a that's a whole tangent to this um, as opposed to just one. We'll see where we're at. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we have playmakers. We have a solid defense. We we have Nathaniel Hackett, <laughs> which uh, I don't think is maybe the lure that people um, are making it out to be, but I think it certainly helped. All right, I think it was maybe the 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 equalizer. Um, yeah. I mean, Rogers uh, Rogers said during his his monologue that you know it didn't them hiring Hackett at the time meant nothing to me. Like, yes, he respects Hackett, but it didn't sway his decision. It wasn't until after he came out of his darkness retreat that he started hearing, oh, well, the Packers are shopping me. Well, F you then is yep. when he decided that he he wanted to, you know, and hack it being a, a really uh, icing on the cake, so to speak, in a move to the Jets. So, yes, your point, not as much of a lure as people may have made him out to be. Yeah, I mean, where do you where do you even want to get started unpacking Rogers? There's so- there's the compensation. There's what he is at this point. There's oh. what are the dominoes that could come of this. There, Listen, I mean, there's a there's a whole bunch of different things. A word that I'm sick of hearing, Sliz, is leverage. I am so sick of hearing this debate back and forth. Uh, that's and cracking. Up, I wish it was a beer. It's cr- cracking a seltzer, but it might as well <laughs> be a beer with how much I've heard leverage, man. It's right. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen. One way or the other, it, it's hard. It's kind of hard to parse this through, right? It feels like both sides really have the leverage in this, which is why this is a really intriguing situation if you can remove yourself from it. From the Jets' side, Roger said, I want to be a New York Jet, period. He said, I want to play for the Jets. And to that end, it kind of takes away, you know, like if, if the Packers really had some big FU energy, they would trade Rodgers to Tennessee. I don't know if the money works, but they would trade Rodgers to Tennessee for a, a conditional six-round pick, and then you put Rodgers in, in that situation and say, "Hey, all right, well, if you're serious about playing for the Jets, to retire, you know, or play so right." Like it, it's a matter of he wants to play for the Jets, so there's that. The other hall, the other potential quarterbacks who have been traded in recent years haven't had to deal with quote unquote this kind of hostage situation either. When Matthew Stafford said he was done in Detroit, and I understand that Matthew Stafford, like it's an incongruent situation to compare because of his contract and his history and, and his production and all that stuff. But when Matthew Stafford said, it's time for me to move on, Detroit just made it happen, man. They they took the picks and they sent him to LA and it worked out for the Rams. I mean, future we'll see, but it wasn't a big deal, ultimately. 
Russell Wilson, another one who said, you know what? They, they made it work the one year where there was lots of the offseason buzz in 2021. Uh, and and the, he stuck it through. And then 2022, he's traded without much fanfare, right? When the Broncos supposedly miss out on Rodgers, whatever the situation was. So another guy that, okay, you want to be gone, then we'll make you gone, right? Rodgers, it, it almost feels like the Packers are kind of getting back at Rodgers now for Rodgers taking his sweet time the last few years and to not just shut up and leave when they draft Jordan Love, right? That's what it kind of feels like to me. So the Jets have leverage in the situation in that he's playing for, you need to get rid of him because of 58 point whatever million dollars. And you're not going to sit him through the entire offseason on your roster. You're just not. And if he says, I want to be for the Jets, then you got to make it happen. So the Jets have leverage in that in that case. What, what are your thoughts on, on the potential Jets leverage before we talk about the Packers stuff? Yeah, so on the Jets side, ultimately, the Packers need to move them. And they should want to move them too, right? Like, I think lost in all this is that regardless of whether Rodgers wanted to play for the Packers or not, them trading Rodgers is the right move, right? And and I think they may – and honestly, them maybe pissing him off and, and actually getting something in return for him is probably – it's probably good for them from – Rather than him just retiring and going off in the sunset, they're going to get some capital back for him, right? Which right. is good, right? So in that sense, like the Packers do have motivation to trade Aaron Rodgers. The Jets are the destination. It's where where do we meet in the middle? And so it's from the Jets leverage standpoint, I think you look at, okay, we, we passed the starter free agency deadline, which really – and and. I know people are saying after Rodgers came out and said that on McAfee, all the leverage went out the window for the Jets. And it's like, no, the leverage hasn't changed. Both parties already knew that yeah, this they knew was the it. situation, exactly. right? And and so you look at that, and why him coming out was impactful because it not that it's really <laughs> had a domino of free agency signings on either side, but at least you can go you can go into the free agency plan on both sides, knowing okay, we have clarity. We know Rodgers is going to be our quarterback from the Packers standpoint. We know Love's going to be our quarterback and we're going to have something back. Right. So you can, and, and, and there's certainly a framework of the trade on the table. And there's probably pieces that are involved in that trade that, you know, are going to ship and, and you kind of earmark, maybe it looks like Corey Davis probably has that star next to his name on players to be shipped. Um, and then it, if you have that understanding, then us as the Jets, we it makes pursuing an Alan Lazard, it makes potentially adding an OBJ more palatable and, and explains why, hey, why is he even on our roster still, Corey, that being Corey Davis? That, that's why he's probably that toss right. and Packers know that they're going to get him. Right. They can plan around having certain amounts of draft capital. We can plan about around not having certain draft capital. Um, and what that ultimately ends up being is certainly a big TBD. Um, certainly from the Jets standpoint, like you said, that Rodgers has to be moved. Like the the thing that the Packers cannot do is hold on to Rodgers. And with them getting capital and with this and, and then seemingly next year, right, with Jordan Love's fifth year option being the the values, they need to find out who Jordan Love is. They need to get pieces around him, especially on that offensive side at pass catchers. Um, ASAP, right? So if they're getting Corey Davis back, 
they want Corey Davis back there by OTAs, right? Because they need him and Jordan Love to be able to, to do their thing. They need him in camp. From the Jets' perspective, if Rodgers sits out till training camp, it it's whatever, right? He's probably going to have the guys out in California and, and throw the ball around, but the offense is familiar. Hackett's going to install it with his guys. He, he's, he's already got Lazard in the building to help spread the gospel, so to speak, of, hey, what what's the offense? He He's at least got a connection with one dude. Garrett, Garrett Wilson's any quarterback's best friend. He's easy to get on the same page with, right? So from getting Rodgers in the building, there's really no rush on, on the Jets' end. So we can – we want him here by training camp is the big thing, and, and I don't think the Packers want to wait that long. I think the draft – is your hard deadline. That's kind of where I've always had it because the Packers need capital this year. They're going to be pushing for as much capital this year as they possibly can. And that's probably where your negotiation point is of how much is 2023 capital versus 2024. I think in general, it's, I I don't think we're, we're talking far apart on valuation of how much total capital should be spent, but probably differ on, we're both probably staking the claim on wanting to keep as much 2023 capital as possible because we both need it now. Right. Yeah. And part of it, this situation too, is if the Packers don't move Rogers and I don't know how much this means to the rest of the free agents and other players around the league, but it's kind of a bad look for them to not grant his wishes because listen, I know Rogers has been difficult to work with and I was, I've not been a Rogers fan at least from an off the field perspective because he seems Let's be fair. He seems to be more than a bit of a diva, right? He's an interesting cat at the best, and he's a diva at the worst. So everything that's happened with the, his contract renegotiations over the last few years and his extensions have probably not helped his standing with the organization. But he's still, to his point, and he said it, he's one of the best players in Packers history, debatably. If you want to throw him up there, Reggie White, Brett Favre, Bart Starr, whoever you want to throw up there, right? He's he's easily in that conversation of he's on the Mount Rushmore Packers players, period. So for the Packers not to grant his wishes and to play this out and to not just say, all right, dude, you know what? You did a ton for us. Thank you. Go have fun with the Jets. We'll take our day two pick and our whatever and move on. It's a bad look for them. It really is because it, it makes them seem really petty in the situation. And, and he was pretty scathing in his com- comments, right? He kind of gave a 15-minute monologue with the whole history. And, and like you said, regardless of what you think of Rodgers off the field, I think all of his points that he made in that were very spot on in terms of how the, uh, the front office there treated not only Rodgers, but treated like their guys in, in, in terms of, the dudes they chose to retain versus ship off and not spending money. And, and you, uh, to a lesser extent, and maybe it kind of gets glossed over, but it, let's not forget Devonte Adams forced his way out last year. Right. And, and that kind of goes, I, I think it's, it's in the rear view. So people forget it, to, it independent of this, but it, it's not right. It's it, you're getting a trend with this front office in green Bay and uh, maybe I'm overstating it, but when you have a when you have a two-time MVP quarterback and you're not giving them the tools to work with on offense beyond Devontae Adams, um, it, it draws in a lot of questions. And then when you're trading Devontae Adams, you're you're kicking Rodgers to the curb on his way out, right? It's it and let's that, be, that let's, stuff matters to players. It does. And, and it really does. And let's be fair, too, Sliz. It's like 
throughout Rogers' career, we know that that stat where he's only thrown a touchdown to one first round pick in his career. It's and that Mercedes was like Lewis. The Mercedes Lewis. And, and like, I understand that Rogers is the type of player that ultimately, yeah, he makes players around him better. Right. I, I mean, Devonte Adams obviously had the talent, but without Aaron Rodgers, is Devonte Adams, Devonte Adams really. Right. Like those are, these are questions you, I don't think are unfair to ask, but when you look at this skill position group that the Jets have currently, and you look at what Rodgers has had to work with, I don't think it's unfair to say that Rodgers would be walking into a situation where he's had the most talent around him ever, maybe. Right. And, and listen, it's all baked into the situation. It all, all of it is. And it's why, like, I look at the Packers and I understand like a lot of the rumors now are, Oh, well they want first round picks back for him. I don't think that's happening unless mm-hmm. someone higher up than Joe Douglas gets desperate. Right. And, and I'm not even sure if that's going to happen. I mean, who knows, but to your point, there's no, not exactly a rush for the jets to get Rogers in here. Uh, there is a rush for the Packers to want to get them off their, off their books and, and get that 2023 draft capital, uh, what it's going to be. And I see here you have, uh, you know, Corey Davis, which you've discussed, a 2023 day two pick, which is a fair conditional 2024 pick, whether that's, you know, a fourth or, or a third, whatever it is, you know, I, that's totally fair. I don't think that's unfair. We're not talking about trading a guy who's in the prime of his career. Like, like a Lamar Jackson is not exclusive tag aside, but if you were to trade Lamar Jackson when he's if he was under contract and non-exclusive tag aside, you're talking three first round picks and more. Uh, look at Deshaun Watson, right? Three first round picks. So it's like I I I don't. You're looking at Rogers at the tail end of his career with with a very very hefty price tag on him, even if it's not totally it's not crippling your cap. That that just says to me that's not anything that's exorbitant. You know, you just get what you can and move on. I don't it's why this whole situation's weird. Like for how much the Packers have wanted, and let's be fair, for how much the Packers have wanted Aaron Rodgers off of their team, all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers says, I want to be off this team. And the Packers are like, Oh, well, hold on a sec, buddy. Let's let's yeah, just let's on, just bump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, it's it's weird. And it, it's so weird too, seeing this in contrast with the Derek Carr situation, which was at the end of the day, it was very similar where the, the, the organization was ready to move on. The quarterback, they, they kind of ruffled feathers on the way out. And ultimately, they they it, the Raiders did not have to release Derek Carr. It wasn't discussed, but they could have they done what the Packers are doing right now. And honestly, Derek Carr would have been traded by now and they would have gotten like a third or fourth round pick, right? That was the kind of the original comp with New Orleans where he ultimately ended up, right? So good on Derek Carr. He kind of played chicken and saved his future team a third round pick. But like you're just you saw that contrast where even the Raiders with Josh McDaniels, who everyone loves to hate, and it's like they they even did did right, right? They didn't hold hold the guy hostage and they moved on, cut ties. So right. well, we'll see. I, it's it's um it's an interesting spot to be in. I think at the end of the day, Joe Douglas and company are operating. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. There there's no there's no reason to be the ones to flinch first. You know, all the reports even going back to before Rodgers declared was the Jets know the package that it they we know the package that we want to get or we want to send. Um, and in general, clearly. The Packers were at least we were at least in the ballpark enough to allow us to even get to this point with the Packers, right. whether talking to Rodgers, 
um, in the first place. Right. Sending our whole, our whole posse out to California to talk to Rogers. Like cl- clearly I don't think we're that far off. It's just kind of um, who blinks first and, and the Packers for their part, they don't have a ton of short-term motivation either to move off Rogers where they actually incur extra dead cap um, by trading them. They'll, they'll accelerate some of that signing bonus into this year. So they they could tech, technically to get current year cap relief, it doesn't save them any money when you're looking bigger picture, but they could wait post June 1 and then spread it over the two years. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think getting that 2023 draft capital, even if all of it is, is and I've seen some like, hey, let's send them a fourth this year and then a whole bunch of that. Like, even if it's that, you still want the pick this year um, in my mind. So. Right. Well, we'll see where it goes, man. But Aaron Rodgers is a jet. That's the <laughs> almost, almost. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he's a jet in all but uh, all but official signed documents. Yep, Anthony Anthony Barr was a jet too. Remember that. Um, but you know, different different situation. <laughs> but you know, it's like that's why I said this has for how much relief this has given me. Before we move on to some of the free agent stuff, so for how much relief this has given me, it's also given me more anxiety because now I'm like. Okay, well, he says he wants to be a Jet. The Packers want to get rid of him. The Jets want him. Can we just make a freaking deal? Yeah, just make. Like, can just we get just it make done. a deal? Just yeah. get it done. Like it's it's not doing anybody anybody any favors to operate like this right now, especially leading into draft season. It's just it's just dumb, dumb business. But uh, the important thing is that Roger said he wants to be a Jet, and everybody seems on board with that plan. So let's talk about some other free agency stuff that happens, Liz. Now. You can't talk Aaron Rodgers without talking his wish list and supposedly, well, not wish list according to him, but at the top of his wish list, there is a familiar target, Al Lazard, who the Jets signed to a four year, $44 million deal. It seems like a lot on its surface. I mean, not, not a lot, but you know, the $44 million kind of gets you, but what do you make of the Al Lazard deal? I don't think it's too terrible, especially when you consider he's just a Corey Davis replacement. Yeah, so I think macro-wise, you look at the market, you look at Jacoby Myers getting $11 million, you look at guys that are tier below, but like uh, Matt Collins, Noah Brown getting $2.5 million. You look at Juju getting less than eleven, and it's like, man, feels like surface level, we overpaid a little bit there, right? We... Um, sent where we we gave him a decent bit when you look at the year by year it's effectively the first two years are fully guaranteed um then you have then you have a three and a half million siding bonus rolling into the last two years right so effectively it's probably closer to a three um three year 32 million um or you can you can absolutely if you need to move on in 2025 you can which 2025 is going to be a big, big dead cap year anyway. So probably the state of where where we are as a franchise will dictate whether or not we keep them around or not. You could also restructure next year, and then that pushes and makes them even more likely to stick around through 2023. So ultimately, it's a move that, like on paper, I'm not thrilled with football wise, especially when you hear Rogers talking about when you hear Lazard talking in that interview about Hackett and Rogers and just how Rogers is always vouched for him. And it's like, okay, getting a familiar weapon and getting a guy that'll help Hackett influence implement the offense. Um, it being more or less a lateral cost move from Corey Davis. Um, Lazard's been a little bit healthier over his career. 
And if nothing else, he's the red zone threat that the Jets have not had over the past couple of years. So it, it's kind of it's it's a move that it's it's not. I, I'm not getting worked up about it either way at this point. Now that we have the numbers and the structure, um, I think it'll be a fine move. Yeah, I think he's a good player. I think that Alan Lazard's a good player. I think it's gone the entire opposite direction when it comes to him all of a sudden that like, I understand he has the separation issues or whatever, but he has chemistry with Rogers and that's what you want. Right. Number one. And if you're getting maybe two years from Rogers, at least one year, maybe two years from Rogers, it's going to help to have him on the roster. Right. So there's that, there's that too. And he's not a bad player. Like people talk about this guy, like he's a bad player, which I, I don't accept that he's a fine number two. Uh, I'm I'm happy to move off of Corey Davis at this point. You know, like he he flashed at times during the season, but the injury issues, the inconsistency, it it just it was too much to overcome. So I think he had to look at wide receiver two at some point. And with Elijah Moore presumably moving to the slot, if he's still on the roster, which I'm assuming he he will be. I think so. With Elijah Moore moving to the slot with Braxton Berrios gone, then a wide receiver room of Moore. Lazard and Garrett Wilson is not bad as your as your one two three. I know I didn't order them right, but that that's not bad. So well, and something too to mention, and and I think our tight ends across the board underwhelmed a little bit last year. A lot of that probably on quarterback play, but this one too at tight end certainly better than what Rogers has had right. at tight end probably his entire career. Right. Okay, I think Conklin's as skilled, if not more skilled as a pass catcher than any tight end he's had. And, and Uzama is probably like a Robert Tanyan adjacent. Right. Right. So it's like we that that is significant too. where um, Lazard was very productive in the red zone, which is good because we need that. And, and Elijah Moore and, and I love Garrett, but that's not where he's going to shine. Um, getting that big body in the red zone. So like Conklin and, and Lazard can, can do work in the red zone. And then if Lazard's your three slash four between the twenties as a passing option, that's totally fine too. Right. right. You let those other guys attack space, get in space and, and get, get the act. Right. So I, I do think it helps round out the room pretty nicely. Right. I don't think it's a bad move. I really don't. I, I think, like I said, I think people have gone like two one way on Lazard now where they talk about him. Like he's a total bum, which I just don't, subscribe to that uh, i think that he's fine he's a fine addition and like we said if remember the thing about Corey davis at, about retaining Corey davis at least before this offseason was well where are you going to find a replacement for ten and a half million dollars who's as good as Corey Davis? well yeah to be honest you just found him right <laughs> you just found him so well, the the yeah the, it, it's not just wide receiver there were a couple markets and we'll get through some of our our remaining holes but some markets this year like Total 180 from last year, where last year it's like everyone's throwing money. It's like yep. the middle class in the NFL for second contracts has like reemerged out of nowhere. There are a lot of guys that got way less than I think was expected. And if you look at over the cap or spot track or PFF and all the any of those, if you look at all their, their projected APYs, there's a ton of dudes at wide receiver, at safety, a um, couple different spots that are getting not not defensive tackle. But there's a bunch of guys at a bunch of spots that are getting less than anticipated. Yep. Uh, one uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Chuck Clark move out of nowhere, which, dude, I mean, a 2024 was it a 2024 conditional seventh? 
I don't even know if it was conditional. I think it was just straight up seven. Well, well, whatever it is, if that's the like, dude, why not? Right? Yeah. I mean, why not? Chuck Clark's a damn good player. He's another yeah. guy. He's he's just a damn good player. Oh yeah, big fan of that move out of nowhere. Yeah, and actually, I I wish I would have remembered to plug it on here when we did our mock off season. We we made this exact same trade, paid a little bit more than Joe Douglas did, but yeah, same 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 mindset of you're getting a you're getting a versatile, really good leader, still fairly young on the back end, um, and his cap cost. Yeah, I think he's four million on the books. Great move. Um, our our safety room feels a little weird i'm sure they have a plan on how they're going to implement those two if you look at positionally where guys play lots of uh, strong safeties in there yeah white, whitehead and clark and adams and even parks to a certain extent all feel more like the the strong safety prototype in a cover three yep. if you're looking at like pff and snap counts at different positions it's hard to tell because it, it looks like every cover two snap if you have two high safeties it, it lists it lists both safeties as a free safety in that formation. So it's a little weird to to digest, but I, they'll work it out. I, Chuck Clark going from Joyner to Chuck Clark is a massive upgrade in and of itself. Positional um, where they're going to play uh, right. be damned. I guess they'll, they'll figure it out and still a room we could add a body to, but I, I could totally see us being content with this and not touching Whitehead's contract is weird which leads me to believe maybe he's a trade piece or something still. Um, Cause we've reached, we've restructured everyone under the sun except for whitehead, which is a little odd considering how much potential saving. I think it's 7 million in potential savings there. Um, So we'll see, man. But yeah, I love the Chuck Clark move. Love that move. Move on to another def- uh, defender. The jets are retaining Quincy Williams, three years, $18 million, nine guaranteed. Uh, Listen, Jets Discord hates Quincy Williams. I'm not of the group who really hates Quincy Williams. I know that this PFF isn't favorable. I know that uh, Teutonic really hates Quincy, and he, you know, he says there's one play a game where he just gives gives up a big play, an explosive play. But I don't think it's all that bad. Ultimately, I mean, nine million dollars guaranteed isn't that's not killing anybody, right? I mean, yeah, yeah you could you could have attacked it in the draft, but. I don't know. I, I you probably could have allotted that money somewhere a little differently. It's a nice make. It, it's a make nice move for Quinnen Williams. I think that's another part of it. Uh, you hope that he's ascending, right? That's the question. But it kind of feels like Quincy Williams has plateaued at this point. But I don't think it's. I don't think it's horrible. I don't think it's the worst move they could have made. Yeah, it's one of those moves that has so many layers to it, and and. Nuance is hard, Joe. We're not allowed to talk about yep. it. It's either the move's great or it sucks. No in between, yep. right? So it's like Quincy Williams has been a starter at linebacker for two years. And he's been he's been, I'll say if if nothing else, average, right? He's been right. A, a a startable, like you said, hopefully ascending player. And I certainly think his 2022 is better than 2021. Mm-hmm. So starters in the NFL get about what Quincy Williams got, right? You get six million a year. Where it feels bad is when you see a TJ Edwards the next day go to Chicago and get who who by all all measures seems to be a much better player. He gets a little bit more APY, I think half a mil more APY, but less guaranteed, right? So it's like, well, man, yeah, it, it's looking it's looking not great just on that. But then, like you mentioned, it I. I don't think this is purely a throw a bone and try to get Quinn in to extend for cheaper, but there is 
in terms of negotiations, right? Quinn and Quincy have the same agent and you're kind of setting the precedent here on just how, how you're approaching the negotiations with this agent, the contracts you're presenting. If you're, if you're not, if you're way undercutting, if you're, if you're giving them a, a dog bone offer, like, that just sours the negotiations then when you get to Quinnen. If we're given, hey, this is this is what we feel is a good offer, it's our best offer, and it's one that is amicable and, and the whole process is smooth on both sides, it makes it that much easier when you do get get into the the nitty-gritty with Quinnen. So don't love it. And 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 really it's less Quincy Williams solely, and it's more just that we're locked into CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams as mm. like our one, two at linebacker. And, and it's the cost for the room we're getting and being kind of the, the upgrade path is tough, right? right. We're probably going to have these guys for the next two years. And as we've talked a lot on here, it feels like a clear weak spot on our roster with not a lot of coverage ability. Um, so that's really like the sour grapes on my end is more of that than the actual contract itself. I don't think the value's terrible. I, I think it's what you pay for starting linebacker. Certainly our staff likes him. Certainly there's a relationship with players on the team. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. We need, we need a third body that has a little bit more, uh, a little bit more limber legs though. <laughs> you know, I think the thing is, Liz, it's, it's, it's both the gift and a curse, the word continuity, right? Like, you like continuity when it's your team because things are working, right? You don't have to go out of your way to fix things. But when you see the Jets linebackers play the way they did, especially during the six-game losing streak this year, you say to yourself, man, this is a clear area of of, of, of need, an area of upgrade. But And as much as I dislike C.J. Mosley, he did play better this year in his second year in the solid system than he played in his first year now. Do I think that they wanted to completely overhaul with rookies and free agents and hope that it would be an upgrade? I don't think so, because I don't think they wanted to devote the money there. But this, to me, is a continuity move. It's a move where they say to themselves, you know what? Quincy was here last year. He's probably slightly better than a rookie you would bring in to play in his spot. And like you mentioned, the staff probably likes him. And like you said, there's a lot that goes into it. I don't think it's strictly just a... I don't think it's strictly a move that, like like I said, I don't... I, think that part of it is like negotiating with Quinnen, but I don't think it's a move that's like, oh, we think all of the the options are significantly worse than than Quincy. So I think, you know, like I said, I think he's fine. He's a fine player. I don't think there's any reason to get too bent out of shape with it, but and maybe it may be shame on us, right? I think I I don't even remember when the interview was one somewhat recent interview with Sala prior to free agency he said hey we'd, we'd like to run our defense back and right. we're more or less doing that right yeah. so we haven't moved on from Lawson yet we brought back Solomon Thomas we brought back Quincy Williams we have the the you know swapping LaMarcus Joyner for Chuck Clark which even if you're playing Chuck Clark at at free safety and in, instead of Joyner that's still an upgrade even though yep. by measures Clark's maybe not as good there as he is in the box but uh yeah Shame on us, maybe, for not just listening to Coach tell us exactly <laughs> what he plans to do. And and I, I, you touched on a good point there, where continuity can be a gift and a curse, right? I think in general it's it's good, but I know Connor Hughes tweeted out basically after the the Chauncey Gardner Johnson signing in um in Detroit for only eight million because that was a, a a hot name that folks wanted us to pursue um to play free safety and and certainly less than 
you thought he was going to get on yep. the open market. And Hughes is like, well, you know, the, the staff likes the room. What move, are, what, what move were you guys expecting the jets to make? And the, that, that kind of speaks. And I, I tweeted out at him. It speaks to the curse, right? Where it's like, right. You can get kind of a blind spot, not only on your guys, but just on the market in general, right? The safety market outside of Jesse base was very suppressed this year. Right. Yes, we might like Whitehead, but you were you could have signed a lot of these guys purely on the savings that you're getting from Whitehead, not even having to spend more than that and got what what would be a marginal upgrade. And and the game's on the margins, man. Every marginal upgrade, if you stack three or four marginal upgrades, that that matters. You know, the marginal upgrade from from Joiner to Chuck Clark, and then the marginal upgrade from Whitehead to Von Bell or Chauncey Gardner Johnson. That that can change a game, right? Especially on the back end, it takes one explosive play to change a whole game. If if you're getting that explosive play via interception or, or big hit or something instead of the other team on a, a missed tackle or a blown coverage, that, that changes the game, man. Yep. So uh, two new uh, legs in the room. Well, one and a half new legs, really. Well, like one new leg. So uh, Thomas Morstead's back after he relieved Braden Mann, who was injured a couple years ago. He's he's now back. So that's the end of the Braden. You would think that's the end of the Braden Mann experiment. And Greg Zerline resigns, which is, again, Continuity at the kicker position is nice, especially when you got a, a good one. And and Zerline had a good season last year, so uh, a couple a couple nice kind of under the radar moves. But it's good to bring in some big legs to to shore up that side of the ball. The special teams again, they matter. They don't matter until they matter, right? And we saw at points last year, whether it was the the kick return touchdown, game ending touchdown by the Patriots, or you know Braden Man just being consistently and consistent all year, you know, it, yeah. it, and, or Bad Greg Zerline just being good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Greg Zerline just being good last year. It's nice that they address these moves and early, not going into camp with battles or trying to figure out what they're going to do with the positions. Yeah. And, and I wish I had the number in front of me. I think it's the first year we're going to have the same kicker back to back in like a decade or something yeah. like that. Like, and, and his contract's good too. And, and I'm surprised you don't see it more where, he has incentives based on percentage field goal percentage, which is cool. Right. So um, that, that kind of sh- protects us from a super down year of forking over an extra million and a half or something. And then more said, calm down folks. Braden man is not going to be cut right away, but like you said, writings on the wall, it's, it's more steads job to lose. Um there was rumors of a potential trade for a man. I I don't see that happening, but you certainly see that at least going through an OTA camp battle. And then you'd expect Morstead to come out on top there. I mean, if, if Joe Douglas gets a pick for Brandon, man, I mean, give him the extension now, you know, like, I'm sorry, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, So there's still some holes. Let's hit these pretty quick. So uh, center is the big one. Connor McGovern remains unsigned. I know that there was some confusion. It was the other Connor McGovern who signed with Detroit, not the Jets Connor McGovern who signed there. So Connor McGovern center still remains unsigned, but Ben Jones, former Titan center is a name that's been brought up a lot. Potential reuniting with the Jets new offensive line coach. Is that a, a name to watch? You think it's the most sensical name that would make sense, right? Yeah, I think, I think so. And and this is one of those 
center specifically is a position where this leads me to believe we know more or less what our trade package is going to be to Green Bay. Because I know there's a lot of folks saying, oh, we're, we're targeting center in the draft, targeting center in the draft. You, it's hard to confidently target a position in the draft, especially with the capital we have where like centers typically you're looking early round two, late round one, right? It's kind of the sweet spot on value. We don't have a pick there, right? So you can't guarantee we're going to trade out a 13. You're probably not picking one at 13. And the guy you want might not be there at 43 or wherever we're picking in round two, right? Middle round two. So you you kind of play that dangerous game of and and maybe we wanted a center on day four last year, but then Michael Clemens was sitting there and we had him rated high, right? You yep. play that game, and but it does lead me to believe that we we feel like we're probably keeping certainly one of those two picks, and we have a good plan to to get up and move and get a guy we got that we want. We did bring in West Schweitzer. Sure. Um, who who's played center um same with Tristan Cologne where um really turned over the Feeney and Herbig level death yep. with comparable guys and and probably even upgrades maybe at a slight discount um so you have kind of your your break class in, in case of emergency options certainly we we were in on um the San Francisco center who sounds like took a little less money to go back and play with Shanahan which you can't blame him for that um, so it's looking like, and, and DT D tackle is the same thing where it looks like we're, we're actively pursuing options, but it's like, unless we're going to get a top market guy, we're kind of just holding, holding steady for now. So, um, we, we need a center. Um, that's absolute. We'll, we'll see where it goes on that. Welcome back. Solomon Thomas. How <sighs> excited are you, man? That, that market is a, is nuts. The, the D Nathan Shepard got a, a three-year, $15 million contract. Even Sheldon Rankins, who had a good year, but $10.5 million for, for Sheldon Rankins is – I think that market kind of blew up on us, and we're we're left bag-holding a little bit. The, the Solomon Thomas deal, I don't love it, but it's whatever, and, and we needed a guy, kind of a little bit of a panic move probably to get him back so that we're not totally desperate at D-tackle. Again, looks like we tried to get Fletcher Cox on board and gave him gave him a, a high offer, and he took a little less to go back to Philly. So, um, a little unlucky there. Um, certainly, trying to put our chips into two guys that are in great organizations makes it hard to yep. to get them. But yeah, I mean, you're not gonna uh, the, the Fletcher Cox thing would have been nice, right? But yeah, ultimately, ultimately, what are you gonna do? I mean, he, he wanted to go back to to Philadelphia. He has roots there, obviously all pro player you know it, it sucks it sucks to miss out on the guy but that's what happens you know with the, with these guys especially towards the end of their careers they're not going to go ring chasing somewhere else where they had an opportunity to win one the year before so it's tough it's tough free safety slizz what do you think that that's uh, a draft that that they have to draft the guy right it just that, know, that screams to me that screams I, to I me that like they have we're to gonna be good with our room i think we're good with our room man it all depends what they think Ashton Davis, which maybe is low, <laughs> but I, I think they're good with the room, man. How does anybody have an opinion on Ashton Davis at this point? Hey, the last, uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't, someone's going to fact check me, but I was going to say the last snap we saw him on the field, he caught an interception against Cleveland. 
He was in the same position. I forget which game it was where they put him on the field. I want to say the the following week. He's the closer, man. We can't move on from Ashton. He's the closer. (laughs) Uh, let's look at let's close this out with a few other a few other spots list. So offensive tackle is a big big question mark right now. Um, very we mentioned this on the last podcast. Very very happy for Makai Becton getting in shape. He looks motivated. He looks ready to go. But Makai and Prey isn't a plan. Dwayne Brown coming back is cool, but Dwayne Brown is 127 years old now. Um, and Max Mitchell, however much we love mid max, he's not, I don't think he's a starting caliber player, at least not from what we saw last year. So, you well, know, Jonah Williams is on up. the trade market, but what are you, what are we going to do? Yeah. I was trying to dig up on Max Mitchell too. Cause remember he went back on IR with blood clots and, and right. there's no clear definitive when he's going to be back in football activities as the latest update was from, I think late January that he's going to at least be able to get in the, the the weight room and stuff, but that's not a, his timeline. I, I think it'll be delayed, right? Like I, I think he has potential to grow into maybe that swing tackle role or, or yep. and, and spot start, but it might be a little bit later than we were banking on just due to the setbacks over the past year. Um, it, It's just, it's important to remember, man, we have three tackles on the roster. They are all coming off injury. Right. Yeah. Dwayne Brown's having surgery. Makai's working back from essentially a two year layoff. And then you have Mitchell coming back from, from blood clots. So there there's, there's uncertainty there. Um, Jonah Williams, I, I threw him in here as a discussion topic. I, I don't think he's a good trade target for us, especially with us moving capital for he has short arms. He has short arms. Liz. But, but I wanted to, cause I know a lot of people, kind of I think like to spit in the face of evaluators and and some of the criteria and measurable criteria that they have for guys but you know and and this kind of goes into like a Pete Scaranci type um pivot here but Jonah Williams is the example of a guy that you worry about the short arms and their short ability arms. to be in the NFL and perform at a high level in the NFL right and and I was listening to um locked on scouting the um this past week and they're talking Jonah Williams specifically and just what some of the short arm leverage even does to you mechanically in the lower half right he blew out both kneecaps this year mm-hmm. right and and it's just it's a word of caution right not every tackle with short arms has the tape of a Matt Slater and is going to be a Matthew Slater, right? The, the the criteria exists based on a historical precedent. It's not just old heads with their boomer criteria. A lot of it's driven by success rate of past guys. Right. So word of word of warning, I don't think we should trade for Jonah Williams. I think the contract situation there, I think just the risk in general isn't a good fit for what we're trying to do. But um, it does it does shed some caution on if you're going to bring in Big Pete and and he's going to be our answer at left tackle. And if he doesn't hit the ground running at left tackle and then you have Lakin and AVT kind of cemented in the it, 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 you're probably not getting that immediate return out of 113 that we need um with the Aaron Rodgers window. Yep. So just hey. a, a word of caution. We need we need a body. I'd like to um, 
even if they're fe- even if one of them's just bringing back Ogbog, we we need we need probably two bodies into that room yep. just to mitigate um, the injury rehab curve. Hey, is uh, Matthew Slater playing tackle now? Is that what you're telling me? The, a little slip, little slip my, of the tongue. Uh, there. Who, who's the Rashawn? Rashawn. Rashawn. Yeah. Rashawn. Slip of man. Th- that that dude. Hey, all these many, many jokes can be had between uh, all the <laughs> b- between McCordy and Hightower retired. <laughs> Maybe I'm surprised Matthew Slater didn't retire. He's back for like year 13 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Rashawn Slater. You're right. My bad. Good. Good for him. 33 inch arms, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> All right, Sliz, let's let's start closing this bad boy out. This week's geek of the week, and this is really geeks of the of the weeks, or whatever the, the pluralization is on it here. Um, you I, I am in lockstep with you on this on this. It's it's funny. The listen, they have re- given the success that they've had in over you know the past 30 years, the two quarterbacks that they've had. They have reason to be a little arrogant about this, but at the same time, they're just showing their entire ass. So who did you pick for this week's Geek of the Weeks, Liz? I cannot wait until Packers fans and content creators and everyone else is out of my Twitter feed. And I don't know yep. how they got in there so prominently. It's like I click on one tweet and then every all of a sudden I'm seeing every single Packers tweet under the sun. Um, like, I can't... it. Like you said, it's 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 I don't want to say it's delusional at times, but it comes off like how are you this like one sided in your your thought process? Yep. This and and I, I mean, I I I'm in the Indianapolis market. I see it or have seen it the past couple of years with the Colts coming off of Peyton Manning and then luck. It's like, oh, yeah, just get a Just get a quarterback. And it's like, no, no, you don't just yeah. get a quarterback. It's not, it's not that simple, right? <laughs> And right. you, you don't just have the leverage that you think because, oh, yeah, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. So we'll we'll obviously get a first for him. It's like not, that that's not how it works, man. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm uh, I'm glad I will be very glad when they're out of my Twitter feed. And um, I, I won't I'm, I'm not one to post and gloat on Twitter, but I have a feeling there will be a lot of uh, a lot of Jets fans dancing on some graves once the compensation's finalized yeah i'm with you and to that to that end so let's let's do a little prediction when do you think this rogers stuff is 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 at an end you know trey wingo said last week who's been on top of this entire situation trey wingo said last week that rogers would be a jet this week first round of the of the 2023 nfl draft is april 27th we're in the middle of pro days right now uh it's so does this get down? Does this get done before? What, what do you think? Where's your Where's your head at? I think it. So, like I said earlier, I think it definitely gets done before the NFL draft. I think there's motivation on both sides for it to get done. And I, honestly, I think there's more motivation on the Green Bay side than our side even to get it done before the NFL draft. Which really, everything you're hearing in the media is all one sided. Everything's trying to. It's it's very obvious everything right now that you're hearing in media is coming from the Packers front office to put pressures on the Jets. I, I think they it's it comes down to them coming to the table, and I think that deadline puts a lot more pressure on them than it does us to yep. come to the table. Because so, they're going to want that pick, ultimately. Yep. They're going to want a pick this year. So, so I'm going to say the lads go in Easter Sunday – Eat, eat some uh eat some good food with family celebrate 
go to church and then come out on Monday and strike a deal on April 10th. Hmm. Put it in ink. I'm going to go sooner. I'm going to go sooner. I'm going to say this gets done March 27th, next mm. Monday. I think I think that's what I the deal so. is. I, I hope think so. I hope so, man. Because there's just something in me like, I don't think that they want to drag this out any longer. Because why? With the, we know the Packers want the pick this year, right? We know that they're going to want to pick for 2024, too. So why would they drag their feet on this any longer? If they think that if they think that Douglas is going to just, oh my God, we have to have Rodgers now before the draft. I think that they're sorely mistaken. I'll say that. And I do think Douglas wants to get this done too. So I think this is going to get done on March 27th. That's my, that's my exact date. So give it another week or so and they'll be done. When does the Braden man trade happen? <laughs> March 26th. How about that? <laughs> We'll flip. That, we'll that's flip. the catalyst. That's holding the whole thing up, baby. We'll flip. We'll flip the Braden Man trade compensation for Aaron Rodgers. How about that? Yeah. Douglas will get. Douglas will get a, a 2026, uh, uh, seven conditional seventh round pick for Braden Man. That'll be what the Packers get. So. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right. So let's let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. What's on your mind? Yeah, man. Went on a uh, a nice snowy Saturday morning, which. Wasn't expecting the snow again in March, this far into March, but uh, went and picked up my my second order of a whole quarter of beef, eighty pounds of grass fed, grass finished beef, and I'm excited. Um, did it for the first time, I guess, a year and a half ago. Kept it pretty elementary on how I prepared it all, but um. I'm, I'm going to go wild this round, but I, we always watch a whole bunch of Gordon Ramsay shows and we've been watching next level chef and I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes, man. Like, Hey, Oh, they use this steak for that or this cut of meat for that. I, I got Mongolian beef written down as something I'm going to try in the next couple of weeks. I'm, what about I'm some Hungarian, out. Hungarian goulash? You making that again? Probably that's that. Yeah. That's solidly in the rotation. I'm going to nice. try some, uh, brace short rib. I think I'm, I'm building out, building out a list of, of nice. things to do with it. So I'm, nice. I'm excited. Branch. I got just a little gotta bit hunt. of time at home and yeah. You got to hunt your own cow next year. That's what you yeah, do. I, don't, I don't know about that. My, uh, <laughs> one of our friends that just got chickens. So, um, probably getting some, uh, some secondhand organic eggs, which would be pretty cool, but I, I I have no no interest in doing that of my own either. <laughs> there's a there's a house by one of the nearby train stations. They have chickens at the house. I don't really know what that's about, and it's on a very busy street too. And you can usually see the chickens just roaming this random random oh. house. Very strange. Anyway, so uh, my landing strip. Oh, we got a new couch, man. I'm so excited about this. Right, so. We have this old couch that we paid, I don't know, in Love C combo, we paid like $7,800 for it. It was was fine when we moved into this apartment almost seven years ago now. So we got the life. We got, we got the life of the couch. Like we, we really made it work for a while, but this thing has been falling apart the last like year and a half. And the cat, we had to put like one of these foam pieces under one of the cushions because it was like sagging in the middle. And when you think about it, I, I work from home. So the couch has been my office for the better oh, yeah. part of seven years, you know, since I've been working for the sporting news. So I, I really got my use out of this couch in this love seat, but we got rid of the thing. 1-800 got junk came and took it out. We got a brand new sectional. It's lovely. It has a chase on the end. It, it's just the, the, the nicest couch. It's, it's a little tight in air. not going to lie. Uh, but I will say it's definitely worth it. A new couch is its own reward. It's, it's just fantastic. So Big fan of this couch. 
I will kind of, I have lots of fond memories of the old couch, taking some good naps, lots of video games played there, but this new couch, I can already tell we're going to, we're off to a beautiful start, beautiful hey, start in the relationship. That that couch is going to see nothing but winning Jets football. Just think of that. Just it's, think of it, that. It, it has not seen a snack snap of Zach Wilson at quarterback. Yeah, so there you go. It, it is untainted. Man, that's a good point. We're undefeated right now with this couch. So mm-hmm. uh, only only positive things. Only positive things to come with this couch. Big fan. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, obviously, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a five-star review where applicable. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you on Twitter? Yep, at Sliz underscore NYJ. You can send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com. And Sliz, how can the people join the Discord? Yep, discord.gg slash NYJets. Come on down. Let's let's talk moves and hopefully there's some more ring chasers coming. We'll we'll see. I'm not yeah. uh I'm 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 waiting for the next LT and Jason Taylor to to barge <laughs> in the door and come play for us. But man, not not looking good so far. Not yet, but you know, there's still time. There's still time. We'll figure it out. Hey, we're getting uh, Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know if you heard. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll see. <laughs> but uh we we still obviously we're we're a little off cadence but we'll be back soon with our you know some more off-season content we have a big episode coming up soon with taking a look at the afc east the rest of the division and the and the moves that they've made during free agency so that'll be fun but until next time for matt Salard, i am joe rivera reminding you you can't take flight without jet fuel